Welcome to People's Church Podcast. Now turn to your neighbor. Oh, there you go. See, you weren't listening. Just stand, turn to your neighbor. Come on, it's good for you. Up and down, calisthenics, do the whole thing. No jumping jacks, I promise you. Just turn to your neighbor and say, the Lord is alive. The Lord is alive. One more. And he loves you. Thank you. You may be seated. And you just preach the message so we can just say amen. Amen. Not this last Friday, but the Friday before we had a pretty major event here. We tend to do this every year kind of deal. And we had another big fair with the reach and the church buildings. And we had the draft horses out here. And uh, how many were at that event? How many? You, you brought your families. You were like, boy, we don't know how many thousand. We don't know. I don't know. Maybe somebody does. Didn't tell me. But a lot. And a lot of people came through. But in that event, I was just walking around visiting with people. And there was a couple from our congregation. They brought their family. They were sitting right back actually in that window back over here. And so I went over and I visited with them. How are you doing? She had a question for me. And she looked at the set, this set here. And she asked me a question. And the question was, and, and does the stone roll away? Yes, it did. She had to ask me three times because it took me by surprise, this question. It was like, I said, what? Does the stone roll away? Third time, I finally really zeroed in on what she was asking me because I was thinking theologically, we kind of know this, right? But she was asking a set question. But that got my mind thinking. And my mind has been pondering that question. And so if you don't like this morning's message, I'll give you her email and name. Does the stone roll away? That's an interesting question. Of course, when it comes to Jesus Christ, yes, the stone rolled away. And that's the power of what lies behind me is an empty tomb. Have you ever had one of those, uh, you probably, I know you have, but how often do you get these? I, I just had one, but that, that uh, kind of a moment where it's a him or me moment. Do you know what I mean by him or me moment? You don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah. A him or me moment. A him or me moment. A uh, him or me moment goes like this. You know, uh, I was driving in today. I was driving in today. And then um, there was an RCMP out. And there was uh, another vehicle that was coming speeding. And me not far behind, but he was speeding. (laughs) And the RCMP, of course, lit up. And that's when I said, oh, I'm ever glad that was him. (laughs) You know, come come on. How many of you, him and me moments, right? Him and me moments. RCMP for me and speeding, like I've had a few of those him and me moments and I'm always thankful for it was him and not me moments. Uh, But there's other him and me moments that are a little bit more dramatic. Like there's him and me moments that you just hear about somebody who's going through a health thing and you can have that, oh, that him or me moment. Or somebody's going through a relational struggle and it can be that him or me moment. Did you know that the greatest him or me moment is what you're looking at right behind me here? That's a him or me moment right there. We think of the cross of Jesus Christ that he took and put himself on a cross for us. He made our cross his cross. That cross was intended for us because we're sinners apart from God. God is holy and righteous. We are not. As I said on Good Friday, we're we're actually criminal by nature. So the idea is that he took our cross and died for us. But here's another thing that we don't quite get, but the scriptures bring out, and we sang about it today. It wasn't just that he took our cross, he took our tomb, like that's our tomb. 
That's your tomb. That's my tomb. We don't think about it, but that is actually what was prepared for you. Not because God wanted it, but because you wanted it. You wanted life apart from God. And there is no life apart from God. Apart from God, there's only death. If he doesn't live, you don't live. Resurrection is the most powerful event in all of history. We're going to talk about that a little bit. What does it really mean to us? You know, what I've noticed with people is that we don't understand sometimes that we're just kind of all trapped in a tomb. Did you know that, that even the earth itself is trapped within one gigantic tomb? Oh, and by the way, the universe, starting with our solar system, our galaxy, and then every innumerable galaxy is trapped in a tomb. Death reigns. Death reigns, folks. This is not a headline. Well, it is a headline, but it's certainly not news. Death reigns. That is what reigns in this universe. That's what reigns in this world. That's what is in this earth. They actually, actually, no matter what you want to take to it, you can take, it, you can take the discipline of the sciences of physics. You can take the discipline of science of chemistry or, bio, or biology or mathematics. And they're all going to take you to one end here. And that is that this, this winds down. This has a sentence upon it. There is a time that all of this dies. It's in its own big tomb. And we just happen to be in that tomb also because everything about nature, everything about creation, everything about us has a sentence of death. Not only do we need to look at tomb living from that perspective, but there's a lot of us that don't understand that that is actually how we're carving out our lives. We carve out a little tomb. It's a strange way to look at life, isn't it? But if you start from where you end up, what's your outcome? What is your outcome? Just start there. It's undeniable. Most every other week, we're going to have somebody that's going to have a funeral here. We know that that's going to happen. We know that that's not going to stop this year and that there will never be another funeral in this church and there will never be another funeral in Grand Prairie or in, this, or in our country. There will not, there's not a place where that's going to ever be as long as this creation is in the spirals of death. Now, how are you liking the good news so far? So what do we do? I think even as believers, we have to be very careful that, yes, we receive Christ as our Savior, but we can live a life dominated by a tomb. We just don't come out. Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. That is one of the most, how, how do you capture anything bigger than a headline like that? It's not, doesn't exist. It is the basis of all of our Christian faith. It is everything that we would base our faith upon, including our moral structures, and then going into our practices of faith to believe in the existence of things that we fully don't understand, yet we have enough to see to base a good faith upon. Let's read some of the, the scriptures that we've got here today. 1 Corinthians 15, 14, and 17 says, if Christ had not been raised from death, this is Paul the apostle, then we have nothing to preach and you have nothing to believe. And if Christ had not been raised, then your faith is a delusion and you are lost, still lost in your sins. Because all that you've got is an unbeaten tomb. If Christ isn't raised, then the tomb still reigns. The rock is still in front of the tomb. Then death still reigns. Everything is very predictable in that, in that system. We understand where it all winds down. 
No matter which view you take, you have to admit entropy. It all ends up dead. But then we go to 1 Corinthians 15, 20, and it says, but the truth is that Christ has been raised from death. He has been. And that has broken the proverbial ceiling, the rock, the seal. And it has opened up an amazing possibility for us so that we don't have to live, live, live with a tomb mentality in life anymore. There are three things that want to keep this tomb, that rock right in front of that. Three things. We find it in this first story. Let me read it to you in Mark 16, 1 through 6. Saturday evening, when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. On the way, they were asking each other, here's the question, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? But as they arrived, they looked up and saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. We start with the women that are preparing to come to add the spices and the anointing oil to the, to the body of Jesus because they ran out of time on Friday. And so they purchase it on Saturday and they're coming Sunday morning early at sunrise to be able to bring the burial spices. They prepared the burial spices but they were missing everything who he was and what he had already said. Jesus had already made it plain that he would rise again in three days. He told them the number. He said, I will die. I'm going to take all of the sin. The penalty will be exacted upon me and I will die. But I will rise again on the third day. You know, sometimes people, you know, they look at the resurrection and they see, ah, oh, well, the proof is a bunch of unlearned uh, people that just followed. They were mindless. These people, if you look at each one of them, struggled to believe even when they saw an empty tomb and even when Jesus appeared amongst them until they could touch his wounds. How much do we believe what is the quality of your belief? How much faith do you really have? And what is your faith really in? When we talk about the subject of death, you can't be wrong on this because it is the difference between eternal life beginning now for you or it is the difference of eternal death and separation. Like this is, this is not the little game. This is the big game. What we celebrate as believers hangs on that rock moved. I gotta thank her. Thank you for giving me that thought. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side. The women were shocked. He had spoken to them. This is gonna happen. And now they're seeing this angel. But the angel said, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. Come and see. All of heaven is inviting. This angel representing heaven, inviting. Come and see. It's empty. It's empty. He isn't here. He was crucified, yes. Yes, he died. Yes, he was in this tomb. Yes, his body rested here until this early morning. And then the stone moved. You know, if you're living in tomb mentality in the tomb lifestyle, you know, you've got things that are in front of real life. Real life is not in the tomb there, and yet we try to make the best of it often. You know, our marriage in the tomb, well, we'll make the best of it. Let's just knock out a little, another little ante room here in the rock. His tomb was a new tomb, Jesus. It was, it was from a rich man's tomb, and it had been carved out of rock. 
We tend to do more carving. We add on. We make the tomb look good. We put curtains on the front end. We just kind of, you know, make it a really nice spot. We like to live in the tomb. It's predictable. It's safe. Yes, you know, we don't think about the end. We don't want to think about the end of it. But you know what? It's comfortable. I don't have to do anything in this tomb. This tomb, I can get my big screen. Oh, don't go there, Nelson. I can get my recliner. I can just put my feet up. And I can just live in this nice little carved out space in this stone. And if I need a little bit more room, just get the hammer and chisel out. Carve in a little more space. See, most people struggle with real living. We're making the best of a tomb. Sometimes that stone is some very strong thing. Sometimes it's fears, prides. That stone, it needs to move. It's keeping you in the tomb. Sometimes our fears of failure, our fears of rejection, our fears that other people won't like us. Sometimes it comes down to pride. I like this tomb. I made it. I carved it out. Look at how beautiful I can make it. Look at uh, what I can add in here. Have you ever seen such a mastery of tombs? Think of the Egyptians. Here are the king of tombs. How many have ever gone to see the pyramids? Seen the pyramids? Interesting to see the pyramids. The pyramids are tombs. That's what they are. Why did they put such effort into tombs? Why was the thinking that? Because the, the realization was death. Death. So I'm going to have a really big tomb so that, you know, in the afterlife, when I'm coming to them, they know I'm coming from a big tomb. Well, look out, I'm a big tumor. I mean, is this really the focus of life? How big can I make my tomb? How incredibly, you know, I'm going to have them for thousands of years asking, what was this for? I think it was aliens that, you know, they got this. And we, how many have watched some of those shows? Shame on you, they're crazy. <laughs> we base everything on a tomb. Let's read another scripture on the burial of Jesus. As evening approached, Joseph, a rich man from Arimathea, who had become a follower of Jesus, went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. And Pilate issued an order to release it to him. Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a long sheet of clean linen cloth. He placed it in his own tomb, which had been carved out of the rock. Then he rolled a great stone across the entrance and left. Both Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting across from the tomb and watching. The next day on the Sabbath, the leading priests, this is on the Saturday, and Pharisees went to see Pilate. They told him, sir, we remember what that deceiver once said while he was still alive. After three days, I will rise from the dead. They got the message. The ladies, the disciples, everybody else seemed to miss this part. And their message was, he said he's going to do this. So they got that clarity. So we request that you seal the tomb until the third day. This will prevent his disciples from coming and stealing his body and then telling everyone he was raised from the dead. If that happens, we'll be worse off than we were at first. So Pilate replied, take guards and secure it the best you can. So they sealed the tomb and posted guards to protect it. Do you notice there's three things I mentioned earlier that are want to keep you in your tomb. Uh, Rome, which represents the, the governments of men. Man's idea, this world wants to keep you in your tomb. 
That is what it is based on. Then we've got religion, the Pharisees. They want to keep you in your tomb. Religion works when you're in your tomb because it can't offer you real life. And the devil. So they post a guard. They post a guard. They do their best. They seal it, the seal of Rome. They post guards to protect it. It's at the behest of the Pharisees. Then you read into the next chapter. It says, early on Sunday morning as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, exclamation mark, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. I kind of like that. He, just got, he rolls the stone aside and then he sits on it. It's like he's saying to you, ah, now we can all rest because death is done. We can be at peace. His face shone like lightning and his clothing was as white as snow, way better than tide. The guards shook with fear when they saw him and they fell into a dead faint. I'm not sure what a dead faint is, but it's probably not good. Does anybody know what a dead faint is? I'm not sure what a dead faint is medically or anything like that. I mean, they're alive, but they're fainted. And by the way, it's really weird for guys to faint at fear. But, the, you know, all of these brave Roman soldiers are guarding this tomb. They're into a dead faint. They, they, they're just filled so with fear. They are experiencing something that they have no explanation for, something greater than they've ever seen. They don't try and draw a sword. They don't try to stop anything that's happening. They just go and I guess faint. Like they look like they're dead, I guess. Maybe I go faint and then look dead. That's probably what a dead faint is. Then the angel spoke to the women. Don't be, he didn't say it to the guards. Did you notice he didn't go to the, hey guys, just chill out, it's all right, you know. He didn't go to the guys at all. He just, he looks to the women, the angel, don't be afraid, he said. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead just as he said he would. Memory, remember, remember, remember. Come see where his body was lying. What an amazing interaction is taking place. In these accounts we find that everything is trying to keep Jesus in that tomb. Everything this world can throw at it, and even the otherworldly, meaning the enemy. They have sealed it. They have put the strongest government seal possible upon the tomb. They have the Roman Praetorian Guard up to guard the tomb. They have the best. They secured it the best they could. That's why we know that. They put the best they had on guarding this tomb. And then they, and then they, go, they go ahead, and, uh, and, and we have uh, within this the, the religion, the Pharisees, who have orchestrated this whole thing so that everything is orchestrated to keep them in the tomb. They can't. And everything is orchestrated to keep you in the tomb. Everything that this world runs on, runs on, live for now. Yes, you're in a tomb, but make the most of it. Just make the most of it. Yes, it's not the most great thing. I mean, no matter, as, as far as I understand it, there's still one diagnosis you and I all share, and that is that 100% we will die. And yet there is no answer for that. There can be no answer for that, except for God. And that's why Jesus Christ came. Christ's cross was meant to deliver us from our tomb so that we would be able to live. And what a tragedy it can be that even as believers, when we have been delivered from death, we live like we're still under its bondage. We carve bigger tombs. We focus on the tomb itself and we don't launch out into life. Let me give you three things. That God has accomplished through this in a remarkable day and what he really wants for you because he really wants these three things. 
his purpose. In John 10.10, Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, speaking of the devil. And I have come, look at this, that they may have life and have it to the full. He came so you could live outside your tomb. Your door can be wide open and you can put all of that into one day I'll be in heaven, but right now I'll just live in my tomb. And I want to tell you that's the greatest mistake you're doing. You're taking the talent, like the story of the talent. You're like the one man with a talent. You went and buried it in the ground and you think that's good enough for the master. He's given you this amazing life to be lived now, to be lived as a testimony to the glory of God, to be involved in bringing about change in this world because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. His gospel is really simple. It's really, really simple. He loves you, and he has a purpose for you, and it's eternal. The purpose of God is that you should live life in the full, that means you can't live in there anymore. If you're here and you've never received Jesus Christ, well, it would be Good Friday if you were here at that service. This was still rolled back over top of that. And you need to hear this great message for you today. He has come to roll away the stone, to roll away the stone that has kept you living under the cycle of death that this world is under. And he offers you everlasting life because for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish or die, but shall have everlasting life. What an amazing scripture that that is. That is what is being offered to you. He has a bigger purpose for you than just living in a tomb. Waiting for this to expire and do the best you can. Live the best way that you can. Get what you can. Can what you get. You have a way better life to live. It is Jesus-centered, Jesus-based. It is Jesus that you worship. It is Jesus that you live for. It is Jesus that directs you. It is Jesus that leads you. He has purpose for your life. Some of you might be thinking, well, I'm at the end of it. I'm getting close. I mean, it's too late to turn it around. Too late? Are you serious? What is too late is going to eternity without having done some living outside that. Get outside that. That goes for those that may not know Jesus today, and it goes for so many of us that do. We live outside that hole. We don't make it better. We don't improve it. We don't concentrate on enlarging it. We don't concentrate on making it beautiful. It's not. But life outside it is challenging. It will challenge your fears. It will challenge your prides because you must humble yourself to follow Jesus and take up your own cross in this world, denying yourself and serving him as your Lord. Being serious about it, bringing them into your families, bringing them into your place of work, bringing them into the way that you serve in this world. Not just being a kind person. It's not, it's not about kindness. It's about you falling short of a measurement that is absolute, same way I fall short, and you can't kindness your way out of that. Your works don't get you out of the tomb. His work rolls the stone away. His blood shed for you moves that sucker. Your life lived outside that is to his glory. Anything lived inside it is not. It's to your comfort. Oh, thank you for giving me this thought. I'll get you her name and email. He wants you to live a very full life. Then the second is his power. His power. Ephesians 1.20. I pray that you will begin to understand how incredibly great his, Jesus, his power is to help those who believe him. 
the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. He's saying it's the very same power. This power, if you step outside of this thing, he's saying the same power that moved that thing, you can now live in. Not in there, not in there. That's under your own power. You can set up your own TV and recliner, do whatever you want. Fill it with, fill your tomb with whatever you want to fill. Out here, you follow. Out here, he gives you power. He gives you power to be his diplomats in this world. He gives you power to preach the kingdom of God. He gives you power to live out things that are very difficult, like forgiveness, and to live out beauty of grace and mercy, to live out developing the gifts and humbly serving as best as possible to bring a, a, people into the good message of Jesus and bringing glory to him in all you say and do. His power, power, that is an amazing thing when you think about what it took, what it took. Inside that tomb is a place of perpetual death for the earth, for the universe, for us. Without that movement of the power of God which raised Jesus from the dead, every other outcome will be decided by death. Now we have this beautiful choice that we make that we can reach out to the king of glory, the king of life, the king who emerged from a tomb, who rose from the dead. No other religion claims this. This was not God uh, distancing himself. This was God coming putting himself on a cross, dying, living, being put in, in a tomb that would have been ours. Him or me moments. But his power, thank God for that mighty power because he is ready to help you move the stone of fear. Some of you are afraid to follow Jesus. His power will help you move the stone. Some of you really have a hard time with grace. That's pride. His power will help you move that stone. It has, has to be moved. His power has to move that. And he's challenging you maybe this morning with that stone that right now is in your way. And you've got everything on the other side trying to keep it there. You've got three basic things trying to keep that stone in place. And I'm telling you right now is a moment for you to recognize, realize, do what you, do what you need to do. But to get that stone out of the way and you need to move outside the tomb. And you need to live in the fullness of his life, not in a tomb, but out here. Where your fears and your prides are not going to direct. Where you don't just sit back. You now are going to take the love of God. You won't just receive it. You will take it. You will carry it. You will walk with it. You will share it. The intensity of Christian faith has gone down because we've forgotten this part of the message. We've forgotten that we have to get outside that to live like Jesus. We can't live like Jesus in there. Let me read one more for you, his promise. 1 Peter 1, verse 3. We have been born again into a life full of hope through Christ rising again from the dead. That's speaking to believers, to if you've put your faith in Christ, he's saying you've been born again. You have come into a life full of hope. You don't have to live in this world under the direction of death with every outcome evaluated that way in the way that you uh, try to keep your tomb in order. He doesn't want you doing that kind of stuff. He wants, that's a waste. That's a wasted life. He wants you to get in on this and live like you've been saved. And my God is going to meet all your needs. Here's some promises. According to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus, a lot of people stay in this tomb because they don't want to have to trust anybody else for them to meet their needs. They don't want to even trust God to meet their needs. They want to trust themselves to meet their needs. So they sit back here on that tomb bench. Yet he has promised that he would look after you in all of your needs. If he is the fundamental, the foundation out of which you look to for your source of life, for everything. 
He's saying, if you trust me with everything like that, I promise you, I will be more than enough and I will look after you. Listen to that scripture again. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Look at another great scripture and promise. John 5, 24. I am telling you the truth. Those who hear my words and believe in him who sent me have eternal life. They will not be judged, but have already passed from death to life. So I'm advocating for two things. If you've never received Jesus Christ, then this verse tells you that you, if you just simply place your trust and believe in him, he has been sent so you can have eternal life. And you will not be judged. You, will, you, will, you know in Monopoly, you can pass, go. You just kind of pass, go. You pass. You don't go to the judgment. You don't go because the blood of Jesus Christ has been applied to my life by faith that he died for me and my sins are forgiven because his death on the cross for me has cleansed me and made me a born again new creation. They will not be judged but have already passed from death to life. So, how do I advocate for us as believers then? My gosh, if you've already passed from death to life, why do you want to sit in something that's meant for death? Why do you want to sit in something and service it when you know by every reasonable kind of measurement it ends in death? If a man seeks to save his own life, Jesus said, he will lose it. If he loses his life for my sake, he will find it. He's not talking about that the person goes out and gets killed. That is not the way that you interpret that. He's talking about if a person will give up their life that way, you'll lose your life to Jesus. Jesus, Jesus will become your source of life. If you're going to live that way, you'll find your life. If you live for you, you will lose your life. So much losing when there's been such a win. Romans 10, 9. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Whoa. I love it when it just comes across so clear and crisp, and there it is. You have to declare it with your mouth. Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart, more or less, it's, you're integrated. Your being is saying, Jesus is Lord. You believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. From what? What am I being saved from? You're being saved from an eternity where death controls the doorway. And you're being invited to right now, this day, this moment, leave that. And find your life because you don't seek to live saving it. Final 320 of Revelation. Jesus, own words. He's speaking to a church. He says, here I am. Would you catch that? He's, he's with you today. You, but you know, did, did you know that God knew you'd be here today before the world was ever created? Did you know that he was going to keep your ears sharp enough to hear the words today? Did you know that he was gonna, has been working in your heart to prepare you for some kind of deposit that he can make into your life while you still live and breathe on this planet? Did you know there's no accident? This is his purpose for you today, that you are here and that you have this one-time opportunity. That's all you're guaranteed is this one. And he says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. That's not religion, that's relationship. 
That's us opening our hearts. That's us opening up our lives. That's us surrendering who we are. That's us recognizing who really moved that stone. Who still moves stones and will move yours. He can move your stone today. He can move it. You might be having this kind of fearful surrender process going on. There might be some pridefulness in you. There might be that outright rebellion in you. You might not like religion. Well then, that's fine. But that's, let's talk about Jesus. Because he loves you. That's why he took your tomb. Oh, that's your tomb. I just remind you one more time. That is your tomb. So we can live in our tombs. Even after receiving Jesus. I think sometimes we kind of like treat the tomb sort of like this often. Because in here. Oh, this is kind of cool. You should see this. Oh, by the way, it's empty. You didn't get that? So if he left his tomb, then he's saying, you can now leave yours. Believers, let me speak to you very straight. You have a decision at this door and I think sometimes we just stand on the edge and we look out at what could be. We look out and we think, well, that could be, but we don't really move out. We don't live a life that is just given to the Lord. Instead, we retain enough ownership because inside this wall, I command what happens. You can hide in here. Didn't call you to hide. He called you out. He did it just a week earlier from his own. Lazarus, come out. Exercise your faith. Step out. Make Easter the way you live. If you're not a believer today in Jesus Christ, oh, you might have a belief in God. You might be somebody that when it comes to God, you know, you're comfortable. Yeah, I can talk about God. That's okay. But you know, you know that you do not have a personal relationship. This is more just religion and you might call out in an emergency prayer here or there. And God by his grace has walked with you and he may even have spoken to you in different ways to let you know of his presence. But you've never responded to his plea, which is I sent my son. I want you in my family for eternity. Would you, would you let him roll your stone? He's brought life everlasting. All you must do is believe in him. All that you must do is believe in him with your words and your heart. And on that, he moves into your life. And then he's going to roll this stone when he does. Because he doesn't share dominion with death. In him was life and that life was the light of men. And when he rolls that stone, you get to walk out into a life. A purpose where there is this beautiful plan, challenging, meaningful, that he can lead you in. He can begin by his power to turn things around what death has done inside the tomb, what the marriage that he has damaged, the family that's damaged, yourself that's damaged, the business that's damaged, the pride which has ruled, the fear which still continues. He is more than willing by his power to deal with all those and he will do that. He will walk into your life and he will lead you into greater light. He will be your shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He will be what you need.
but you must believe in your heart and you must proclaim with your mouth. And so to finish this off today, I want to give a plea to both that I have been advocating to. Let us make this a day, Christian, when we really leave the tombs. The door's wide open, why stay? And if you are here and you are not a person that has received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then make this your day. Make this the day in which you respond to Jesus. And in responding to Jesus, he moves the stone. And you have a resurrection waiting for you. You have, today you will be with me in paradise. You have the assurance of the God of creation. Why stay there? So we're going to offer a simple little prayer that you can pray in the quietness of your heart between you and the Lord. You can take a moment and receive the Lord Jesus Christ and what he has done for you on this resurrection day. There is life that is full. It is eternal, but it is full now. He will lead you into the things. He will walk with you. He will bless you. He will carry you into lots of things. Don't get stuck, but let's stand together. I'm going to offer a little prayer that you can borrow if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Now, right now, you're going to have a lot of things pushing to keep that stone in place. It might be the voice of family long gone or influence. Whatever is keeping that stone in place, it ain't worth it. You're missing what your life was intended to be. It has come from God, it will return to God, but he wants it returning to his eternal family. That's Jesus. Let's bow our heads together. Here's a little prayer that you can borrow from me to receive Christ today. If you wanna use your own words, it's fine. In the quietness of your heart, I would just say this and he will hear every word that you proclaim. Dear Jesus, I need you to roll the stone away. I want out of the tomb mentality. I want out of the death spiral. I want to know life, real life. And so I humble myself and I admit I can't move the stone. I say to you that I believe in you, Jesus, that you move the stone and I commit my life to you. And so Jesus Christ, I thank you for the mercy and the grace which comes from simple prayers of faith. Today I receive you so that tomorrow I might live for you. In your name I pray. Now if you're a believer today, you've got a decision to make. You know the tomb that you have been on, the tomb improvement life. Leave it. Leave it. Leave it. Don't bury things into the ground. He's meant you to invest everything you've got in every way you could to produce increase so that when he returns, you will have brought glory to him and increase that he will honor you for. Father, hear the cries of our hearts, even as believers today, that our cry of our heart is to say, Jesus, it's so easy to get trapped. It is so easy to just get stuck in behind the walls of that tomb. Lord, it just feels comfortable at times. It's just so comfortable to have control of that space. It's comfortable to knock and chisel out another room, and, and it's, it's comfortable to try and beautify that ugly space. But Lord, I have wasted. 
I have wasted the best you've given me, but no more. No more. It's done. It's done today. I'm leaving the tomb and I walk against everything that's trying to keep me in it. And I'm walking out in life. And I looked that you, Lord, as I give my life away to you, that you will find and bring to me great life. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Believe in your heart. Proclaim with your mouth. And that's what baptism is all about. What water baptism is, it's confused often for many people. It's very simple. Water baptism is really very simple. It is just the picture, once we have made a commitment of Jesus Christ, a picture of an inward work that has taken place. What has taken place is your death, your burial, and resurrection. You're sharing in the death of Christ. You want to. Because through his death that you can be raised to new life. A new life where that door moves, that is gone. You walk out. You get to live a life in Jesus Christ. Death, burial, resurrection. And that's God's economy. First there's death. We all know that. But he offers life. I hope you got what you needed to today because the Lord of life is here. Jesus, our Lord, brings life. And he brings life into every situation. We get to choose how we live that out. But I pray that the challenge has gone deep in us today because the potentials in this room are absolutely amazing. Can you imagine resurrected life in hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people in our region? Can you imagine resurrected life that's what we bring. We live what we've received. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you. Just like the song declares with great celebration and great joy, we celebrate what you have done. We thank you, Jesus, that you roll the stone away. We thank you, Jesus, you called us out of a tomb life. We thank you that you offer to us eternal life, one that kicks in now in celebration and in the work of the God, kingdom of God in our world and in our families. And may you bless that work. May it enlarge through many lives as we live this place, just over even this next year, as we live out this precious life we have received. In Christ's name we pray, and all God's people said. Thanks for listening. If you find this program helpful or would like to learn more, please give us a call, 780-539-0572, or email mail at peopleschurchgp.com. Thank you.